You're listening to The Real King with Joe and Heidi King. We don't have it all figured out, but no one does. Today, we are talking about the things that we wish we'd known when we were just starting out our walk with Jesus. Hey, also, since I have you here, can you make sure that you are following us on our Facebook page? We would love to connect with you there. You can find us by searching The Real King Podcast. That's at The Real King Podcast, all one word. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into this week's episode. My mom is so funny. She was like, is this, um, is there a new podcast today? And I was like, yeah. So what time is that tonight? Like 6, 6.30? And I was like, well, that's the time we record, but they're not live. So you can mm-hmm. go listen to it right yeah, now. Yeah, you can listen to it right now. That's <laughs> She's funny. so funny. I love that somebody at that age is enough into technology to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. We are approximately 30 seconds to this podcast. And, and she's already yawning I like a sea lion. so hard. I've, have you ever, <laughs> you remember the person in the waiting room on Beetlejuice with the eyes at the back of their throat? Mm-hmm. Just teeth open. Oh, yeah. That was Heidi. Was just like now. the shrunken head guy and the chicken bone and the yeah. gullet. Hated that movie so much. Yeah. Hey. If you go back and watch stuff like that now, like now well, that yeah, I'm like weird. saved and set free, I'm like, oh gosh, this stuff was really dark. Like there's some like really inappropriate things in that movie. It w- it made me uncomfortable. Like it it pricked my spirit. When did you watch it? Like a year ago or two years ago. Oh, well, we didn't even watch it. it. We recently. just like put it on. Well, they said they were going to make a new one, and obviously, like your body, mind, intellect, it perverts things to like oh yeah that was like one of my favorite movies as Mm -hmm. a child so you go back and want to watch i've even had that though with like the little mermaid yeah where i'm like jazz you gotta watch this and then like i'll look at it from like like, oh that's all witchcraft and you (laughs) shut it off spiritual lens and i'll be like oh my lord yeah this is so bad i don't think i've ever watched the little mermaid all the way through Mm. oh really it that's like a there's some parts in there where you're just like, oh my gosh, these people are evil. Melissa McCarthy is going to play Ursula. And they're the, making. Oh, they're making a new one. It's crazy that they don't have new ideas. Yeah. I was just talking about this with a friend because it's like uh, they're just remaking everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. TV shows too. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know what that means for the future of entertainment. Seriously. But is somebody going to come up with a new idea? It's that's dwindle. I guess it kind of works because, strangely enough, like. My nine-year-old knows, all, with with the exception of Are You Afraid of the Dark, but like all the Saturday Night Nickelodeon stuff, like Snick, yeah, is all, all that. Keenan and Kel mm-hmm. is uh, Coolio opens that song or that intro, like you know. Yeah, Coolio, she knows the, the she knows the words, and she's like, "Ma, who's that guy?" And I was like, "Well, his name is Coolio." She's like, "Okay." And I was like, okay. You may know him from his more popular works, <laughs> Gangster's Paradise. Paradise yeah. She didn't end up wearing like a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you said she's going to end up wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, a Coolio t-shirt. <laughs> I just I just seen like a Coolio t-shirt and a Poetic Justice t-shirt. Yeah, she's going to end up wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> like 
I gotta know who this guy is. Like we oh missed all of that like dialogue in your head of like your poetic justice t-shirt. You had imagery happening and we weren't there. Cause I just seen somebody younger wearing like a Tupac shirt and a poetic justice shirt. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. So Anywho. Any hoodles. Yeah. When you're when you're young like that, you don't you don't really know. You know, you're you're being fed this information these shows mm-hmm. and like for me to share those with the kids it's um nista- oh yeah it's in my <laughs> you thought you were that didn't done. work <laughs> yeah for me it's like can't do that on television <clears throat> yeah you can hardly find that that was canadian though yeah guy ash and canadian. his cigar in the yeah. soup do what and they had fire can't do squad. that on television yeah. is that a show oh yeah that was oh. like that was like the late 80s, early 90s, like worst of the worst, what you could get away with. But you you start to reminisce, and then you pull that stuff up, and you're trying to share with your children what your experience was as a kid. And then all, some of it, I mean, you get like three three to five minutes in, and you're like, whoop, shut that off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember it being like that. Like, our minds are so pliable at that age, too. Right. Like I, you know, I couldn't. You know what's interesting is I don't remember a lot of it. I mean, I remember certain things, but for the most part. It wasn't significant. I remember more of the books I read than I, than I do the TV I watched. You, you two weren't big. I was going to say you got both of us silent on that one. Yeah. Yeah. But. I Like I've always been as needed with reading. Mm Mm-hmm. Like if I want to learn something, if necessary, I'll read. Yeah, more of what I'm trying I to figure out which bathroom now, to go in. Now <laughs> I read all the time. Right. <laughs> now that yeah. I'm old, Carlos is not a big reader either. Yeah. I'm old now, and now I read a lot. Mm-hmm. If I could just sit and read all the time, I would. I can I finish would, a book I don't, in like a day I don't or know two. That I'd do that. Wow. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. I'd like to do that, but I can't do that. I have like a pile of like four books on my nightstand right now that. Yeah, I know. I got you books. I got everybody books out. for Christmas. Yeah, I have a whole pile over here. <laughs> trying to figure out how I'm going to make this happen. I, at least your Bible's in the stack. I like that. Yeah. Right um, in the middle, too. Smack dab in the middle. Yeah. I mean, that's my physical Bible, but I read, you know, on the phone and whatnot. All right. What was the question for tonight? The question. What is one thing that you wish you had known when you were just starting out in your relationship with Christ? I'm just going to tell you, this is a hard one because um, there's things that you wish you would have known, but that would have probably had a negative out effect on how you grew. Yeah. So it's a, it's a hard question to answer because I, I can give you like 20 things right off the bat that I wish I would have known, but I think... If I would have known those things, I wouldn't have went through the process to get to where I am today. That's kind of my answer, too. It's like a maturity that comes. Yeah. It's like you have to walk through some of this fire yeah. in order to mature ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I made a couple little bullet points in my phone. I wish I would have kn- known that God knew I was going to be right here and, like, had a good knowledge of his character mm-hmm. instead of, like corrective father that's going to drop the hammer on me mm-hmm. um, because I, I tend to be more critical of myself 
than people know. So even sharing a testimony, I might share, you know, all kinds of things that God's doing and walk away very critical of myself over like, oh, I should have shared this, or I should have shared that, or I can't believe I missed this, or, oh, I shouldn't have said that. They're going to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's there's things like that that I wish I would have known. Um, I wish I would have known that not everybody's going to cheer you on. Yeah, that's true. And I'm not talking about, like, my worldly friends. I'm talking about the the community of the church or the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really interesting that when fresh blood, fresh fire comes in, um, the complacency of others will bring criticism and that criticism is like throwing, you know, wet cloths on a fire that's just started Mm -hmm. and that can affect people, uh, severely when they've when they've just experienced freedom and then the first thing they hear from the trusted people in the body is well just wait cuz this doesn't last forever or you'll burn out or yeah you're on fire right now i used to be like that there's a certain amount of compassion that i have for people like that yeah because it's indicative of a a deeper hurt and problem yeah. and a weariness right and so when I hear people say that, it is discouraging, but it also makes me feel empathy and compassion towards them because it's clear that they are burnt out. Yeah. And they need, they, it's, it's that same concept of the people that need the love the most act out in the most unloving ways. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. And I feel like that's the case. And you, you see these people that have like, they feel like they've been beating their head against the wall. And like, it's kind of like, well, if you think this is going to be any different for you, good luck. When I've, you know, you know, I've experienced it too, where, um, it was done to them and they almost feel like they're going to help you to not feel like you're falling and hitting as hard when it does happen. Mm-hmm. You know, cause the, their expectation is that, you know, the, the, fuel to the fire is going to run out. Right. Um, but everybody is so different in their personality and the call of God on their life. There's people that um, they're, they're evangelist and their fire just is always getting bigger, bigger, bigger because they're always surrounded by uh, the lost and sharing the good news. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, sometimes like friends of mine that fall into like, I guess the teacher category, um, they'll get, so caught up in trying to have the next competitive edge or revelation of knowledge that pretty soon they're 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 kind of far from the spirit of God in the word and just in the I guess the head knowledge of they have a form of godliness. Yeah. And and then they end up hitting a wall where um you know their faith is affected. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's no longer about getting fuel to fuel your faith, but it's just get trying to get like the next um, rhema word or the next thing that nobody yeah. else figured out or nobody found out or nobody caught it. So you and I were talking before the podcast, and it's very easy. You guys 
have said this a lot and I've heard this saying for many years that comparison is the thief of, of joy. Yeah. And people like to compare ministries and calls and like even just mm-hmm. how they attend church and they compare themselves with other people or they compare other people to themselves. And it's very interesting, especially when you're looking at ministries. Um, it may look like, like you mentioned evangelists and they're just like going from town to town and they're like, you know, they're just, it's such a rewarding experience. Yes. But also you don't always see the grind, right? Mm -hmm. And like an evangelist has a grind that they have to deal with of they're not home. Right. They're constantly traveling. They're constantly on the road. That's Mm -hmm. very, I've lived on the road traveling for work Mm -hmm. two weeks a month for how many years Mm -hmm. I did that. It, it loses the glamorous side very quickly Mm -hmm. because you're missing birthdays and you're missing holidays and anniversaries. And I mean, how many, it was like four years, four or five years in a row. Carlos and I weren't even in the same country for our, our wedding anniversary yeah, or, or part of the country. We were constantly apart on those like special days. So like being an evangelist and being on the road, yeah, it's, it feeds you in that you're constantly getting to see like it. And it also has like immediate, like instant gratification Mm -hmm. to it. Right. You get to do the altar call and then you see people come up and it's like instant. And then you head out a pastor, a pastoral position is a totally different grind. Cause you have to, you have to hang with people. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to tarry with people. You have to break their leg and sling them over your shoulder. Yeah. They're you used to, to you too. Right. And there's familiarity there, which also is hard to combat, right? Cause people Get oftentimes with comfort and familiarity, they lose respect. Um, there's, but all of that, all of what you're seeing, even with pastoral positions, ministries, things like that. The what you're seeing today is the result of years of prayer and fasting and turmoil and blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a well established ministry that looks like, well, they have every resource in the world, Mm -hmm. they have everything that they need, they have the biggest church, they have you know millions coming in in tithes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now they do, but it hasn't always been that way. Wow. And what about all the blood, sweat, and tears that led to this point? Makes you wonder if people are in that moment where they don't have all those resources, if they're the ones that are supposed to be the blood, sweat, and tears. They are. And that's one day you're going to come to the realization, right, that maybe you're not going to be there to see it, but like there's going to be people that come to that altar and they get saved Mm -hmm. and they give their life to Christ and they walk there on the path that you paved with your blood, sweat and tears. Mm. It's good. You know, I was listening to Chris Valton, like a message today and he was talking about years ago he was, he was in prayer and all of a sudden God led him into an open vision and it was like a hundred years from now. Mm -hmm. And it was like a beautiful mansion um, with intricate stonework and stuff. And he said it was so strange because he was in this home and it was like a like a holiday type setting. And he was he was in prayer. He was like out. Like God took him to this vision. 
and there was like 70 people there, little children and stuff like that. And as as he made his way through the house, he got into the great room where there was this beautiful stone fireplace. He said it went like 40 feet up to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. It was just huge and gorgeous. And he said there was an elderly man there. And the guy was like, you know, probably in his late 70s, whatever. And there was a bunch of children, mixed ages in the room. And the man was being amused. And he was just telling stories. And he said he looked around and he could tell like maybe half of the kids were paying attention. And then all of a sudden he noticed the the guy's vision shifted like he was looking off into the distance. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he started talking about their royal lineage. And he, and he pointed up at this picture and he started talking about your great-grandfather, mm-hmm. Chris, and his wife, Kathy, your great-grandmother. And all of a sudden he realized it was him up on the picture mm-hmm. 100 years from now. And he said all the people in the home came into that room. They sat on the floor all around, and they started listening. And this man started to to share the vision of the family, mm-hmm. the freedoms, the deliverance, the prophecy, and the lineage of kings and priests that they were. Mm-hmm. And he said at that moment he got pulled out of it, and God spoke to him, and he said, I wanted you to stop preparing your ministry and start preparing a lineage mm-hmm. or a legacy, a legacy. And he said he walked out of that prayer, and that's why every book he's written, everything has been about legacy. Mm-hmm. And it's been about um, setting up for the next 100-plus years of ministry to go on through your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. all your Everybody wants their bloodline to be cleared through deliverance for a 1,000 generations because the Bible says that, but how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You have to have preparation. This idea of... I'm not going to go get a college education. I'm not going to do this because what if the Lord comes back tomorrow? He wants you to be prepared. Right. He wants you to have knowledge. He wants you to have uh, a stature in your community that's mm-hmm. credible. And how do you do that? You do that by that grind. You have mm-hmm. to be present right now in life. And you can't be looking for some sort of escape clause, you know, like where you just repeat this three times and the rapture happens and you get sucked out and you don't have to put up with any of the bad in the world. You have to plan for future generations to be able to walk in in a a prepared pathway that that you've already been called to. Yeah. It's good. Heidi, what was yours? That it all doesn't come at once. Yeah. That was huge. Yeah, the process. A lot of the talk ta- more about that. Yeah, a lot of the times when people have an encounter or a, like a radical transformation, mm-hmm. um, it like shakes them and they're never the same. But then at the same time, you still need to learn. So a lot of the times that'll change you enough to get you pulled out of that place that you're in, so that you can continue to run after God. But if you don't sow into that continually every single day, you don't get all of the revelation all at one time of God. Mm-hmm. Because number one, our our mental capabilities can't handle it. Right. Like you can't possibly handle the stuff that God can give you all at once. So that whole lifetime learner, that comes mm-hmm. into play because you can't ever stop starting like to seek and find God because he's go- he has so many different facets that he's going to continue 
to be able to pull things out of you and to work with you on all of these specific issues. And when you live life is when you like, how do you become mature in general? Like not spiritually. We were, we were talking today. Are you asking, you want us to answer you? I mean, you learn, right? You have to go through stuff. Like you Mm -hmm. go through stuff, you live and you learn. And that's how you end up being mature in most of these situations. So Mm -hmm. spiritually, the same type of concept, you have to live things and then you have to, you have to make mistakes. Yeah. And then you have to learn from them Mm -hmm. and don't continue to have a bad cycle and make the same mistake over and over and over again learn from it, see what the Bible says about it, see how to break it, see how to get rid of it. Like you, that's those moments with God that I wish I would have known then that it's okay that everything doesn't get removed all at once. Because yeah. a lot of the times there's like these, the shame, it, it's almost like, it's almost like the spirit of shame is just like gunned and ready to go. The second somebody gets on fire for Christ, <laughs> Because it immediately comes in with, I'm never going to be able to make this. Like, I'm never going to be able to be perfect. Like, there's the pressure is so Mm -hmm. high. We've had people that we've counseled in the past that they gave up because of the pressure. And that literally breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. That breaks my heart. Because there should be zero pressure. Was the pressure, like... To be perfect. To be perfect before God or before man? Both. Both. Yeah, but Both. More, more, more so, I think they get this idea that those in leadership around them have it perfect because oh, they can't see so behind wrong. the closed yeah. doors. Yeah. We were, we were, this morning, we were talking about David, and it's interesting to me to think about the process with David. So here you have this kid tending sheep. He kills a lion and a bear several occasions. Um. And they're like, oh, yeah, this whoever kills this giant, it gets to marry the daughter of the king, yada, yada. And all of a sudden, he's like, well, I can my, get a shot. <laughs> my God delivered me from the lion and the bear. Mm-hmm. What's interesting there is he says, my God delivered me from the lion and the bear. Well, how did God deliver him? God didn't come down on a ball of fire and chase him off. God gave him the courage and the tenacity to grab them by their he, mane and slay them. He equipped, mm-hmm. he, he, he equipped them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he literally killed equipped those him. animals mm-hmm. and cut off their ability to come back and have another free lunch. Then all of a sudden he, he goes into battle and he kills the giant and then takes his head back to the king and then spends years... As as somebody that's anointed to be king, he he spends years in service, mm-hmm. goes through all these crazy things. I mean, weird, crazy things. Like at one point, the very king that he's mm-hmm. serving is like, "Go out and bring me the the foreskins of a hundred Philistines." I mean, that's weird. That is weird. That's weird. weird. But it's prophetic mm-hmm. because what happens then? They're 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 they can't produce. Yeah. They can't reproduce. So now not only have you slain those men to take that trophy, but you've taken away their ability to reproduce mm-hmm. and made an open show of that and left their wives barren. 
right? So there's so much going on in there, and this is all the process. The level of intensity. Yeah, this yeah. is all the process to get him to a point of where he can finally be king someday. You guys, and, and we're out here praying for a closer parking spot. Like, does yeah. not, that not just like? Well, it's crazy that like your mind. more men aren't really into like the Old Testament because the Old Testament is like basically it's like brutal. a war movie. It's brutal. <laughs> like, come alive. Well, and then he ends up in a place of being king, and he's got like this amazing, you know, place in in Israel. And then when all the kings go out to war in the spring, he decides he's going to hang back because he's been so victorious. And then he sees Bathsheba and like totally goes way off the tracks there. So all these things happen, but then you get to him when he dances before the Lord. Can Can I just say like with the lion and the bear, had God just simply snapped his fingers and delivered him, like everything that he went through, though, it built courage right. and courage was more important to instill in him than just a overall sense of safety, mm-hmm. because you can't take your safety to the bank. You know Correct. what I mean? And like by him and God does that over and over throughout his word. Yeah. He doesn't deliver people in the sense that he like necessarily like scoops them up. OK, for example, like even the red, the splitting of the Red Sea. Mm hmm. First of all, do you know what it's like to walk walk through sand like that? Like yeah. deep, wet sand, thick. Yeah. And like, do you know the stuff that's down there? Right. That wasn't a walk in the park. Are you kidding me? Right. And then like, there's just like water hanging out yeah. next to you. That takes a lot of courage to be yeah. like, yeah, no, I'm going to go ahead and like, it's fine. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. Like, I'd be like you- no, you go first. Right. They probably like tried to step it up like when you tur- when you were a little kid and you'd get the lights in the basement turned off on you and then you'd run up the stairs at like Mach 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were well, like, probably like, walking real slow until <laughs> they got halfway point and then they just booked it. Yeah, we got to get going. We got to get out of here. <laughs> Isn't that wild though? Like how many people were standing back and saying, no, you go ahead. And like they let that be their miracle. Mm-hmm. They rode on the coattails, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like they walked in their footsteps, sure. But they hung back because they weren't sure yeah and they were like no 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 we want to see you do it first yeah there's mm-hmm. a lot of people in our lives that are like that they're like no nah, i want to see you do it first yeah and the, yeah. i want to see how it turns out for you yeah but, but if you if you look at people that were used by god in tremendous ways mm-hmm. when you get to the end of david's story and i mean there's a lot about david and jesus was from that lineage mm-hmm was of that bloodline right Right. so so like the significance of like god used all those things to create a bloodline that we would have redemption through right and there were so many imperfections through Mm -hmm. that bloodline there was prostitutes there was just so many things and then you get to the end of david's life and uh, he was constantly writing psalms mm-hmm. and interceding for people right? and asking God to deliver them. And he had all this success in life. And it's like, what do you think su- success looks like? Right. You know, most multimillionaires, billionaires, whatever, I read a statistic that said the majority of them have cl- claimed bankruptcy seven to eight times in their life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them don't even get the wealth until they're in their 50s. Right. Well, if you only live to 76... That means you got like 
26 years of wealth or less. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You only right. got a short time to enjoy it. And then if you buy a, a Bugatti and drive it at 200 miles an hour, you might end it that day. Mm-hmm. So like getting maturity to me looks like looking back on the process and being like, oh yeah, I had to go through some of these things. Otherwise I wouldn't have a respect for where I'm at now. And I wouldn't respect you coming to me needing it. Right. I would, I would probably brush you off like, well, I got this gift and you're, mm-hmm. you're an inconvenience to me. Right. Well, I have a few answers to the question. Um, one is I wish I had realized earlier how deeply flawed all the people God used in the Bible were. Because it gives clarity to the fact that like, you don't, you don't need to be a perfect person. In fact, it's very likely he's going to call you to a a bigger calling. If you're flawed, you you don't have to be perfect in order to be called by him. Mm -hmm. And comparing yourself or looking at people who, appear to be perfect on the outside i mean that just goes to show truly if you look at like abraham moses like all all these the pillars of our faith right they were deeply flawed the women were too Mm -hmm. um if if you see somebody mm -hmm. and you're attracted to that and you see that righteousness we have to go back to Philippians and realize that they put on the breastplate of righteousness. Mm-hmm. So right now they're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And that is attractive to us. But if we get behind that armor, mm-hmm. we're going to see what God's really using. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's equipped and called those who were not, uh, they, they didn't already have the gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's equipped them and called them. And he's using that fleshly vessel Mm -hmm. that is not significant to show his power and his works on the earth. So everything you're saying, like it's not a, it's not a, like a get out of jail free card to go and say everybody in the Bible's flawed. I I always see those posts floating around social media. Well, so-and-so was a murderer and -and so-and-so was an adulterer. And I'm like, it's always somebody that's glorifying their sin and they're like, well, yeah, I guess no. I can do this. No, that's not what I was getting right. at. Yeah. B- but when I see those, it, it is fascinating to look at who God used. Mm-hmm. And then even Joseph, like he he was given this ability to dream, right? Mm-hmm. And then the first thing he does is he, out of probably immaturity, gives a couple of dreams that sets everybody against him. Mm-hmm. And then he has to spend time in captivity right. and he has to be a slave and then he gets accused of rape and mm-hmm. all this stuff before God promotes him to a place where he can feed the very ones who tried to kill him. Yeah. You know, do you want success in Christ? Cause you're probably going to end up feeding the ones that tried to take your life. Mm-hmm. You're going to prophesy right. over them. I think, so that was one of the things, a second thing for me that I wish I had grasped earlier on, is that you don't have to have all the things in order to do something for Christ. Come on. So Come on. you you don't have to have all the equipment. You don't have to have the lights and the the smoke machine and you don't have to have 
all the infrastructure around it. Jesus, with his 12 friends, went across the countryside on foot. They were they didn't even have enough loaves and fishes to feed people that showed up to see them speak. They weren't necessarily prepared. They found themselves in the middle of the sea in yes. a storm. I mean, it, they were perpetually unprepared Mm -hmm. yes and he showed up every single time so if you want to do something and you want to have a worship night but you don't have a way to put the words on the wall it doesn't matter do it anyway keyboard do it anyway do it anyway so like you don't have to hold back like we we started this we don't know what we're doing mostly i mean we have an idea now Mm -hmm. we put a lot of work and research into it so it's not like it's not like we we're put just Carlos to work a lot. Our, yeah, he's, he's not not that he doesn't work behind, a lot already. Yeah, he's behind the scenes and he prefers it that way. By the way, we've asked him to speak. He prefers to be behind the scenes. But you don't have to have it all figured out to start. You don't have to have every single we want it as a human and particularly my personality type. I want to have it all figured out before I'm willing to put my neck out, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to have it that way. And when he blesses those people that are willing to say, you know what? No, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And then he'll give you a measure of his glory and you'll get to walk in a light that makes it look like you knew what you were doing Mm -hmm. because it's an anointing. Yeah. I just had a thought. (laughs) What is that? I'm going to make you get up one Sunday when Joe's preaching, and I'm going to make you interpret in Spanish. Carlos. So you can, like, literally talk the entire service as much as Joe's talking. <laughs> you can just interpret everything he says. You, you, better, <laughs> yeah. you better have somebody in, like that speaks Spanish there to listen well, or, or stream it. I speak Spanish. <laughs> I can listen. That'd be awesome, though. That would they, be awesome because that'll open doors. They used to have him read and... Uh, some other like Antonio and Berta, they would they would read the scripture in like we would read it in English then in Spanish. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I've had like a billion scriptures come to my mind. I'm trying to keep up. But the first one though was Hebrews. So let me go to it really quickly. Hebrews five fourteen. And this is when I was referring to maturity. Mm-hmm. I got my thought back. There you go. Um. So when I was talking about maturity and how you don't get mature. <laughs> When you say, I love you, Jesus, mm-hmm. <laughs> come into my heart. Right. It's not like this magic thing that happens. It's that life learning. It's those life lessons. It's mm-hmm. getting, you basically have to take everything that your flesh was already doing or wants to do, and you have to kill that, and then you have to replace it with good. Mm-hmm. So you have to take this vessel that's your human body and you have to fill it up with so much of God's goodness and his word mm-hmm. that it pushes out the evil, right? Yeah. And so that won't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, you can't try surrender. Yeah. You, you can't <laughs> try that for a week. Right. right? Um, you have to go all in because mm-hmm. God's also looking to see how how definite your attention is to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if you fill yourself up so much with goodness, me and Joe have had this conversation multiple times. Darkness won't share space with light. Right. They can't they can't be together. Mm-hmm. So the more light that you put in you, it's going to just get bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. bigger and it's going to push out the darkness and yeah. it, and it's those life lessons though. It's that it's that life lesson of um, 
I don't want to drink anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to drink again. Okay. Light got put in. Darkness is out. Yep. Okay. A few months down the road. I don't like chewing. I don't like mm-hmm. chewing. Joe used to chew. Yep. I'm not going to chew anymore. Kick that one out. I don't want to overeat. I don't want to overeat. I don't want to watch um, shows that have cussing in it anymore. Yep. I don't want to. I mean, the list could go mm-hmm. on and on and on and on. Yeah. I used to like it didn't bother me to hear cussing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it started bothering me. And then I got really convicted and it was like, this has been a struggle my whole life. Lately, it drives me nuts to even hear somebody, you know, say GD. Because yeah. now all of a sudden it's like, that's taking the name of the one that set me free because I'd be dead right now. Mm-hmm. Certainly dead right now. Yeah. If God hadn't set me free. So now you're taking the one who gave me a, a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, whatever it was, and you're using his name as something to to manifest your your insecurities or your disgust with life. And it's like, oh, man, I don't want to go into a theater and pay to hear that in a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit in, a, sit in a social setting and listen to that because... Now I know that the very person who's saying that doesn't realize that that very same God that they're asking to damn something or someone has got such a heart for them that he gave his only begotten son, not just so that they could have eternal life, but that they could walk in authority and be a joint heir with him to the kingdom. That's crazy to me. So like that conviction is changed. When you talked about like putting on your armor and like if you show up dressed wherever you're going to go, mm-hmm. you'll see the atmosphere change too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People that don't want to respect what you stand for, they'll see themselves out mm-hmm. and they'll distance themselves naturally. Yeah. But like even the other day I was talking to somebody on the phone for work and they said, oh my effing God. Mm. And they immediately caught themselves mm. and they're like, oh my I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I really need to stop saying that. Mm. Like they caught, I didn't have to say anything mm-hmm. and they right. couldn't see me. Right. Yeah. But it, they were immediately convicted. Yeah. Right. Right. And like that will naturally start to happen. Absolutely. You just have to show up dressed, mm-hmm. prepared in your armor. Yeah. Wherever you go. Yeah. Well, even with the people that you hang out with. Yeah. So if you get saved by God and you continue to hang out with the people that want nothing to do with God, don't expect much fruit to come from that. Mm-mm. That's part of that. You have to get that darkness out. Darkness goes out. Getting close to God will show you who your true friends are real quick. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So those life lessons, though that maturity level that takes place, that is what I wish I would have known at the mm-hmm. beginning. That it's not a snap of a finger that occurs. It's the daily things that I go through Mm -hmm. in life. And I'm going to be able to bring God into those pieces. I'm going to be able to understand what he's trying to show me in all of these different situations, how to properly deal with them. Mm -hmm. I I had to learn how to stop bringing physical weapons to spiritual wars. Like all that kind of stuff. But you learn. That's for somebody because that's the second time that's come up in as many episodes so somebody needs to hear that stop bringing your physical weapons to a spiritual battle yeah it also Mm -hmm. just hit me too when you said you know when you when you start to get close to christ 
uh, it'll it'll show you who your f- true friends are. It hit me when you said that when when you start getting that close to Christ, it'll show your friends who their f- true friend is. Yeah. Because you can't be a good friend mm-hmm. to somebody if you don't have super added to your natural. If you don't have the ability to see them through the eyes of Christ, you'll see nothing but their flaws. Yeah. And we have to love those people. We have to we have to see them as that that precious vessel vessel of gold or silver that God's created them mm-hmm. to be to carry a gift. And and if we don't get that proximity with Jesus Christ, we can't look at people like that. Mm-hmm. Another verse that I was brought to, though, is these life lessons that you learn, this process of getting to where you need to be at in spiritual maturity with the Lord. If you don't learn the lesson, guess what? You get to go through the wilderness again until you learn it. Yeah. So I think that's another thing, too, that people need to understand is this isn't a game. Mm -mm. God is a very merciful and grace-like-full God, but at the same time, he needs you to be mature yeah. because he has a call on your life. Yeah, he wants he wants you to be a place where you can steward a gift. Exactly. Like he need he needs you to be effective so that you can do things for him. Mm-hmm. He can't have you just running around the wilderness just year after year after year after year. He wants to teach you things. So in Genesis 6:13 is when God says to Noah, "The end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth and then he goes on in those verses to talk about what the ark is going to be made of and what size it needs to be and all of those different things so at that point Noah was he was at a moment of what should I do that's where maturity comes into place that's where life lessons come into play because when you hear something from God whether you hear get rid of that friend or get rid of those cigarettes or get rid of that tv show you have a moment where God's like Hi, Mm -hmm. I'm here. This is an area where light can come in and darkness can leave, but you have to listen to me, okay? So Noah listens, and he does it, and he starts to build it. So this was 613. So then it wasn't until 7, 1, where God spoke again. So God was silent Mm -hmm. (laughs) until he completed the first thing. And then once he completed the first thing, then God came on scene again in 7-1 and said, then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark and you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Mm -hmm. He passed that little test that needed to be done, right? And then it goes on to more things that he reveals to Noah during that time. Because it's building trust. Exactly. It's building a relationship. It took 120 years for Noah to build the ark. Yeah. And then in 816, God spoke again after the flood came Mm -hmm. and said, go out of the ark. It's it's like God is giving you all of the he's he's timelined everything perfectly. He has all of the the things set perfectly. Mm hmm. But he needs you to obey the first life lesson and get that one taken care of yep. before he can reveal this, the next one well, to before you. He can, yeah, before he can entrust with to you the next step of his plan, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And when you, when you think about, like you referenced, the, the trips around the mountain, the 40 years in the wilderness, mm-hmm. um, when, when we think about those things and we think about the process of that, that's not God inflicting you. In, in James 1, 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted from God. 
For God is incapable of being tempted mm-hmm. by what what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. Right. But every person, 14, but every person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed and baited by mm. his own evil desire. Come on. Lust, passions. Then the evil desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully matured, brings forth death. So we have to think about it. We have to romanticize about it. We have mm-hmm. to engage with it internally before it becomes an outward action. And then all of a sudden, another trip around the mountain, another trip around the mountain. Yeah. It's like, God, why are you doing this to yeah. me? Yeah, come on. And, and he's not. He's He's literally calling you out of that and that's why you're convicted Mm -hmm. because the holy spirit's there and he's like i'm not sharing a house with this because your personality mixed with the holy spirit and the the good news the gospel of jesus christ does not produce that fruit so he's calling you out of it he doesn't want you to make one trip around the mountain let alone 40 Mm -hmm. trips around the mountain so it's like getting to that place of where when 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 we get to a place of spiritual maturity, your maturity looks like you making sure everything fits the plan of God in your life mm-hmm. and that God is at the forefront of it. I don't care if it's grocery shopping. Right. When we go grocery shopping, I'm not only grocery shopping, I'm available. Mm-hmm. It gets annoying for my wife to listen to me talk to people in grocery stores. Mm-hmm. But every so often I get to drop in the good news and witness to somebody, pray for them. Because now it's not only about me going to buy stuff to stock my shelves at home to have nourishment, Mm -hmm. but God has given us a call in our life to see other people fed. And I can give them food, I can buy their groceries, but to give them the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ, is the most important thing in our lives right now. Can I can I tell you my third and final thing? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and there was a time when I would hear people say this, and I was like, I would immediately internally, maybe externally, say, "Shut up!" <laughs> but to trust in His timing, mm. Mm. to trust that was in my His next timing. Point. See, because Joe and I were just talking about this the other day. Because there's certain things that, um, like in Carlos and I's life. Like it, it hasn't come to fruition. Right. And everybody has an opinion about those things. And I was telling Joe, I don't feel spiritually. I don't feel released to go in a different direction, Mm -hmm. but I feel like, you know, you just have to wait on God. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm called to wait on God in that area. Do you you know how I worded it in my note? No. God knew you'd be right here. See? See? And, and like, he already knows, he already knows all of the, the things that are going to come at you, but he, he has a very specific and special plan for you, you and your husband, you and your wife, you as a single person, Mm -hmm. he, he has all of, he has a beautiful life already planned for you. And if you're willing to walk in his timing and his purpose for you, right. But things can go left real quick. Mm -hmm. And what I was telling Joe is I don't want to be that person who takes my miracle and puts it in somebody else's womb Mm. because that's where things go awry. That's where you see 
God gave you a miracle mm -hmm. and just to get it to come to fruition sooner rather than later, you're willing to do whatever it takes and you put it in the wrong house, you put it in the wrong place to come to fruition and then it's it turns into a curse. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And we've all been there where yeah. we've pushed and rushed, and rushed something mm -hmm. to come to fruition and then when it falls apart in the end, yeah. you're like, "Well, what happened here?" Yeah. Yeah. And it's because you stepped out of line. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. You're raving at me. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a fine line there, there because is, there's yeah. there's two types of people. There's people that, that get too excited. Yeah. I've actually been on both sides of the fence, which is why I know why there's two types of people. Yeah. There's the one type of person that gets too excited about what God's going to do and they rush it. Yes. And then it's bad timing. And mm -hmm. then it ends up to be a curse. But then there's other people that here wait feet. on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then they sit and they watch Netflix all day and they do nothing to to yeah. like they do nothing. They don't get yeah. in the word, they don't worship, they don't go to church, they don't get in a young married like they that, don't get yeah, in anything. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. So there's like two types of people. So I want them to make sure that they know the line because waiting on the Lord is vital. Absolutely it is, but you still have to make sure that you're still walking that line with Christ. Waiting on the Lord is not idle. Yes. You are not idle. Yes. You're washing people's feet. Come on. You're you're serving. Yes. You're still you're about his business. That's right. You're not you're <laughs> waiting on the Lord. Come right. on. Th yeah, put on your apron and wait on the Lord. Yeah. That's yeah. what you need to do. Oh, I like yeah. the def the difference yeah. of wait. Yeah. So when you that. when you mm -hmm. when you think about waiting on the Lord, oh my God, um, <laughs> in Romans ten it says, "But how are people to call upon Him whom they have not believed in, whom they have no faith, on whom they have no reliance? Mm -hmm. And how are they to believe in Him, adhere to, trust in, and rely upon Him, of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher?" In 15, it says, and how can men be expected to preach unless they have are sent? Mm -hmm. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings. How welcome is the coming of those who preach the good news of, of his good things. When you wait on the Lord, you should be exclaiming and proclaiming mm -hmm. to everybody the good news. Yeah. You, you should be sharing your personal testimony. If you're really waiting on the Lord, then you'd have his heart mm -hmm. in mind. And his heart is that you would go into all nations, every corner of the earth, and you would preach good tidings. Yeah. So you, if you think you're waiting on the Lord to see something from a vision or somebody prophesied over you, and you're doing nothing and you're being complacent and you're critical over everybody that's got a mm -hmm. move of God going in their life, you have really lost out on what God could be doing because he's mm -hmm. he's literally trying to sharpen you so yeah. that when you when you have to cut through that veil that that thick heavy curtain that's been keeping you from mm -hmm. the promise when you have to cut through that if you have a dull blade man you ain't doing nothing right like you're going to feel inadequate you're going to feel ill equipped yep. you're not going to have the tools necessary to get that breakthrough so when when you even think about waiting on the Lord I'm not saying like she said I'm not going to go out there and try and force things to happen yeah but I'm going to make myself available to whatever God's doing yeah. in my, in, we had this thing when I worked in this company, it was a safety thing. So, because they had a lot of like, uh, people that would have injuries and mm -hmm. stuff. So you were, you were literally, um, 
responsible for the five feet around you. So yeah. if somebody did something dumb within that five feet, you were supposed to go tell on them or stop mm-hmm. them or whatever. Well, my five feet meets your five feet. Now we're within 10 feet. Yeah. So anything happens within 10 feet of you, you're, you're responsible. Mm-hmm. So if you come into my area acting foolish and, and our two five feet's touch, you know, that's the way we have to be with the gospel. Yeah. If if they came into your five foot radius around you, that's not an accident. Mm-hmm. Somebody put them there. If it was the enemy, so be it. God works all things to the good for those who are called according to his purpose and love him. Yeah. If it was God who put them there, guess what? God makes all things work together for the good mm-hmm. of those who are called according to his purpose and love him. Either way, it's your job to be the authority in that situation. Right. And your authority is in the power of the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that that place is where you got that five feet thing. He says the whole five feet to Maximus all the time. All the yeah. time. Because like, I was in charge of it. So many mm-hmm. times a day. I had no clue it came from that place. Oh, good Lord. Though I definition time, yeah, I love wait. So in my brain, whenever I would hear, whenever I, people would say I'm going to wait on the Lord, they just kind of sit there. So wait is to stay in place, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people make that into let's just sit and do nothing. Mm-hmm. But it says to stay in place in expectation of. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then this is the best part. It also says if you wait on. Mm-hmm. which that's what we're talking about, waiting on the Lord. It's to attend as a servant. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. To supply the wants of. Come yeah. on. Like that's what waiting on the Lord What is, is. the want of God? I love that you just had a light bulb moment. <laughs> I yeah. did. And I got to ride through that whole thing <laughs> with you. So it was awesome. so great. What yeah. is the want of God? If you're serving the want of God. Yeah. His word says that he would that none perish, but all have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That means you have to play a big part in that because what I just read you in Romans said, how are they to hear unless they have a preacher? Mm-hmm. Mm. I have a fourth thing. I swear this is my last, <laughs> but it goes hand in hand. And it's, I wish I had, it, early on, I wish that I had realized I'm not the main character. Mm. Nice. He is. Yeah. And I'm a sup- I I get to the privilege of playing a supporting role, mm-hmm. right? You want to hear my last one? Yeah, is it the same one? No. Did you have it as a bullet point? <laughs> it was. I'm funny. You are hilarious. I'm hilarious. so funny. <laughs> it was actually you're not doing that bad. That's true, because a lot of times I'll literally. We're start our getting, own worst critic. Yeah, I'll yeah. start getting critical, and I'll start looking at opportunities missed but 10 years ago i wouldn't have had the faith to do what i'm doing now right mm-hmm. or the courage one year ago mm-hmm. three years ago we had a dilemma because we went into a pandemic they were telling us to shut everything down church and everything um we didn't believe that that was something that was ethical to do or that it should have been done right but there was actually times where i thought about my father our senior pastor who's 70 plus years old getting handcuffed and i'm like man do we uh, uh, he was ready to yeah, oh, yeah. he was he was ready he was to like ready. he was gonna die on that hill like, bring it and and we didn't shut church down we we did what we had to arrested. do and he didn't get arrested <laughs> right. no but the thing is, is they like, did have church on Sundays from like eight in the morning until five yeah, p.m. At made night. as many services as possible. Yep. Anybody could come anytime. The crazy thing is, is like 
I got to see where I had to get to in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to do a self-inventory, and all of a sudden it's like, am I really, would I be a, a martyr right now? Right. Like, would I, would I take that challenge? Um, am I disciplined enough for that? If I'm worried about my, my father on this earth, he belongs to my heavenly father. Mm-hmm. I, don't have the, I don't have the responsibility nor right to worry about him. All I can do is intercede for him, honestly. Yeah. That's all I can do because he already belongs to the one. So mm-hmm. in that moment, it shifted our faith too. Yeah. And then on this side of things, looking back, it's it's like wow, that it was man, tense though. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. We yeah, had because we had people conversations. In the, we had people yeah. in the in the body that were really upset. Yeah, you know, and 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 it was like you you wanted to you wanted to make people feel comfortable and being. There's nowhere in the Bible that says any of this is going to be comfortable. Right. It says you might lose everything, but God will give it back to you a hundredfold Honest, with persecutions. There's zero precedent, actually, in the Bible that this is going to be a comfortable situation. No. It says zero. he's going to give you all this where, stuff, but with persecution. Where do right. people get that from? It's it's false doctrine. Honestly, it, it is. It There's no... It, and then you have people that are like, well, then why do you want to do it? Uh, hello. <laughs> Have you met God? Because, yeah, like he's amazing. One, God's amazing. And two, we're like a millionth of a percent physical and the rest is all spiritual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the blink of an eye that we're in this realm on this yeah. earth, but then we go into eternity. I was just sharing with both of you that it was that hospice guy. Yeah. Studied death for um, 40 plus years and mm-hmm. died himself three times. Uh, sometimes, the like the one was over an hour, I think, or something like that mm-hmm. before they got him resuscitated. And the one thing that he was saying is, I hope that most of the people hearing this have some sort of religious Because um, he was not religious. Correct. No, but he said it, it makes it easier to understand. Yeah. But he said, you'll never die. He said the one thing he learned through 40 plus years of doing deathbed on hospice and working with people leaving this world and Mm -hmm. then with his own situations where he had out-of-body experiences, he said one thing I know is it is absolute foolishness and torture to yourself on this earth to think that you're going to die because you cannot die. Mm -hmm. Like the spirit leaves i mean that will throw some people into an existential (laughs) crisis for sure not saying me but someone i'm sure um but yeah but that's why the holy spirit's the comforter yes Yes. and it's at one point i probably would have went into a tailspin but to right now today Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah that cool yeah Let's do, let's I do remember it. the days where you would have went into tailspin mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it's like, that's you know that what? growth though. That's that it process. Is. And I've come to learn more so because, and it, I don't, I'm not going to attribute it to our upbringing because I feel like our parents were really good about teaching us about the love of God. But I feel like even Pastor Lynette, our mom, she more recently had a more profound revelation 
within herself about the love of God. Yeah. Because she was brought up in legalism. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't follow these rules, you're out from under the covering of God. Mm -hmm. And he's going about the earth to and fro looking to mm-hmm. make sure you're doing what you need to do. We are called to holiness. Yes. Yep. Without a single doubt in my mind. Yes. Yeah. We are called to be a holy group of people, you know, following Christ that said he loves us. Yeah. What's, what's amazing is we, the, the majority of our trauma and hurt happened in the church. Mm-hmm. which is amazing because that drove me away from church only to find out that the church is where I needed to be. And God had to show me that the people that were available to hurt a child or something like that in the church body mm-hmm. were broken people that were there to get help, but attacked or, or mismanaged people along the way. Mm-hmm. And because people were so busy looking for the good in people, they didn't have the radar. Yeah. To pick up that little blurb, mm-hmm. you know? So now here we are at this age and this point in life, and now we're up to our helmet of salvation in mm-hmm. church. You know what I mean? <laughs> we are like fully yeah. engulfed and we're there and we're ready to, we got on our full battle rattle and we're ready to go. Yeah. And it's, it's a good thing because the very place that, that the enemy tried to take us out to put us in, a, in an eternity of damnation, the very house that he thought would be the best place to manipulate and use and hurt is now the place where our authority is. Mm-hmm. And now here we are serving in the body of Christ and, and God's giving us this platform with the podcast and the platforms we have at church and with our businesses and society and our jobs to literally speak into that situation to help people that have been hurt in places like that that they thought should have been a, a safe place mm-hmm. to understand that you're not safe at home. You're not safe anywhere. The only place you're safe is in the arms of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's right. The only place you're safe is covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, the mm-hmm. bloodshed on the cross. And that's where you got to get. And a lot of times God's going to require you to submit under a, under a ministry and a body at a church somewhere to get there. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. That's a that's that's what revelation looks like to me. That's what spiritual maturity looks like to me. When I hit that place, that's when all of a sudden the inquisitive nature of a child hit me. Mm-hmm. Like all I want to do is learn. I want to learn from everybody around me. I want to bring everybody gifts. Yeah. I want to bring everybody gifts. Mm-hmm. Kids are always wrapping up crap from around the house. <laughs> yeah, they are. Literally. Your kids in particular. Oh, my yes, are they so will bad. show up with 25 presents that you already own. Yeah. They'll wrap them. And God delights in that. Mm -hmm. He's given you gifts. He's put them all around you everywhere you go. He's put all these gifts out there, and you're just wrapping them up and giving them back to you, back to him. And he's delighting in that. Yeah. He's like, yes, they're coming on to me as a little child. He's like me, where I'll keep them forever. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, Stuart, Stuart. Look what I can do. You yeah. know, we're 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 literally doing that. Yeah. Where we, we where we come into his presence and we're like, Yeah, I got this gift. Look at me. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go and you you let the Holy Spirit flow through you and you get to be a part of something that's going on. And he's just delighted. He's right. like, We're we're almost there. I think that that's such an important thing for people to realize, especially when you're coming out of darkness 
that he's delighted to see you. Mm-hmm. When that. when the prodigal son came home, he was celebrated. And I think that's something that humans do wrong, right? They they mess up mm-hmm. sometimes is when somebody leaves um, a life of sin and they come to Christ and they start to attend church and things like that. People can hold them in in that darkness to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. Or like people will make other people feel like they have to pay some sort of dues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a misstep, right? Because anytime a son comes home or a daughter comes home, they should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. They should be celebrated. So I am, um, I was meditating today, like just on some things <laughs> and yeah. Not like, oh, not, no, no, oh, no. Lord in like biblical meditation, just kind of thinking going over on the some Lord, things. chewing yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> and there was like a word that I was given that I gave to a friend of mine who's a pastor, a phenomenal human being, um, got to like share with them. At one point he said, do you know a timeline? And I was like, I don't have that. And today I was I was kind of praying, meditating on that. And like I heard it, not audibly, but I heard it clear. Because I was like, what is the timeline? How do I figure out a timeline? When is this stuff going to happen? And all of a sudden it hit me, it's already happened in that realm. Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, well, what? I got the goosies on that. Yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, what? Because it's for us us as a church body, like across the nation. Yeah. For like the the move of God and the end time revival. Mm-hmm. So when is it going to happen? Because I've seen things and I've g- been given open visions. And I'm like, okay, so when is it going to happen? It's already happened. Well, what are we waiting for? Well, every revival move of God um, in the last couple hundred years um, lasted a very specific amount of time and then ended and, and a lot of times, if you look into it, there was weird stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, people, you know, they they tried to take um, credit. Yeah. You know, like they did something special rather than just be uh, available and yielded to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And what God's doing now, from what I what I heard today, it was like I'm waiting for you guys to hit a, a place of of stewardship. Because this can't just end. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so what happens if it can't end? Well, it'll transition into something greater, mm-hmm. which means it's not just like me and you, but it's our children mm-hmm. and then their children. And then by the time their grandchildren get it, who knows? Who knows how, how close they're going to be walking with right. Christ, right? So I'm like... I'm sitting in this apartment working and I'm having all this hit me and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I literally, I kind of was like repentant mm-hmm. about even how I, how, how I took the first vision or word because I was like, man, like that was in there. Mm-hmm. But my flesh, when I, when I delivered the word, didn't want the responsibility of having to put a timeline on something. So I just said, there's going to be, there's going to be, this is going to come. Mm -hmm. 
And, and in all actuality, when he gave it to me, he said, this is, this is what's happening. This is what you see. So I seen it in the, in the present tense, in the original vision, but then I worded it in a, in a, you know, mm-hmm. a future tense just so that I didn't have any responsibility for the work. You know, that's incredible to me that mm-hmm. God is so close that he'll, he'll fix it, right? So now I'm a couple days later, you know, God, when is this going to happen? We're seeing this over here and this over here. And he's like, it's already happened. Mm. You're in preparation. You're going, you're going through these things comes right back to that way that we handle people that make themselves unlovable. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't love themselves, so they make themselves unlovable. And then they really feel a connection when somebody loves them through that. And then they cling to them. Mm-hmm. And they're usually not nice to them. Right. You know what I mean? Mom and dad always invited those people mm-hmm. to Christmas. Our family Christmases were always filled with somebody that probably didn't want to be there they wanted to be there but they wanted to act like they didn't want to be there you know like oh yeah yeah it was always amazing we always had good family but mom and dad had a heart for those people Mm -hmm. so as pastors they couldn't see those people be alone on a holiday that's what god's doing with us right now Mm -hmm. we have a generation coming up that that's not they don't love themselves right they they preach self-care they right. preach all this stuff, and then they they're critical of themselves. They're mm-hmm. critical of their their community, and and they don't have any confidence in who they are. And God's like, I'm gonna raise up a generation right now, and you guys are going through it, and you guys are figuring yourselves out because I've already done it. Mm-hmm. Now it's just impartation. Now it's just me manifesting on the earth. But the the important point there is, it's there's been a transition, right? And you've like made it all the way to a generation where it's not that they're turning their back on God. They've never been given the yeah. opportunity. They don't even have anything to compare it to. They're right. they're a fresh They slate, don't have any idea. A wide open canvas and Isn't you get to show up to with think? the paint of the good news and make the most beautiful portrait of who Jesus Christ is to you. And they can't do anything but take it because they don't know any different. Yeah. And, and people, if they know that you're telling your truth, that you've experienced this, they can see it. Mm-hmm. People can tell if I'm being honest or if, if I'm being sincere. So when I talk to these people that have never heard of Jesus, they're going to know that I'm talking about something that I, I, even if I look nuts, I honestly believe it. you so much for joining us today. We pray that you found encouragement through what we've shared. We would be so honored if you would make sure that you're following us. You should also find us on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at at the real king podcast. That's at T-H-E real king podcast. And don't forget, we put out new episodes every Monday. See you next time.